Welcome to the return slot of horror. A podcast set in the basement of a video store much like the one from your youth. A place where Mickey, Marika, and Michelangelo hang out after hours, talk about horror films, and can't seem to agree on much other than their love for the genre. So grab a drink, be careful on the stairs, and don't be the last one left in the basement at the end of the night. <laughs> Welcome, listener, to the return slot of horror uh, podcast <laughs> recorded in the basement of the video store. It's fun that you're trying to be hardcore. But like you don't want to pop the mic. I know, so I'm kind of so like, like silently like, oh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It's like it's hard to be hardcore and not be loud. Um, right. Uh, a podcast recorded in the basement of our video store after hours when the doors are locked and the VHSs are rewound. That's right. Doors being locked is important for tonight's mm -hmm. episode. By mm -hmm. the way, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the VHSs are rewound and the moon is glowing pale blue on a brisk and breezy night. We like to hang out in the basement, crack open a drink, and discuss our beloved genre horror. Every episode, we invite you to join us for a drink in the basement as we discuss a film selected from one, our, one of our painstakingly curated subsections of the video store. For the first time listener, Mickey, what am I talking about? Well, you know, there are these independent video stores... I grew up with them. Michelangelo grew up with them. It's kind of where our love of movies started. You'd go in on a Friday night, maybe with the family, and you'd sort through multiple sections of the store to pick that one or two movies you're going to watch on the weekend. Maybe a movie you're going to watch 20 times in one you know, Saturday. And there would always be the person working there, and they'd help you with your journey, taking you from their sections that they curated themselves to help you find movies and discover um, films you'd never seen before. So in honor of those independent video stores, we have one of our own. And that's what we do here on the podcast as well. We curate, we talk about, and we hope that we inspire you to rewatch, join the conversation, or just fall in love with the movies like we do. And this week, we find ourselves in the punky bruiser bloodbath section of the video oh. store. <laughs> Punky Bruiser Bloodbath. Um, Mickey, are we film critics? No. Are we, like, film historians? Not really. Yeah, we're just humble video store clerks shining a light on our love, thoughts, experiences, and feelings of these films and how they've affected our lives. So, that mm -hmm. said, before... We get to the film. What are we drinking tonight? Well, I actually have a spooky cocktail. Whoa. Yes. This one's called the Red Laces and Stabbed Faces. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> it sounds very classy. It's a classy. It's a classy red drink. It's just my take on a Negroni, which is a very red drink. You get uh -oh. your gin. I don't know these. Hold on. Hold on. These Red Laces, <laughs> Negroni. I could see them saying something else. Instead, 
Yeah, I didn't think about that at all. Oh my god! No, you did not. This is what oh happened when, when you when you like eat, like shoddily and quickly put together something. <laughs> and, and also, you're not racist. So you don't think it doesn't stand we're, out to you. We're making a pro Nazi drink, right? Or not? We, no, you. I'm blaming a, no, you on it's this. An you created. It's an anti. It's, it's, it's a an, pro. Oh, okay. It's a pro. The green room. It's called the red laces and stab faces. It's just a drink that you drink when watching the green room, which two prominent features in there are those two things. And it's got to be red to go with the laces and the blood from the stab faces, which do bleed, by the way, we found out. Um, but it's just gin. sweet. We, we found out through scientific research that if you stab <laughs> someone in the face, it does bleed red. Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't know I didn't know that until the green room explained that to me. But gin, sweet vermouth, Campari, and just a dollop of your own blood. This see, this is a situation where I feel like Marika would come in handy uh, because it would be something <laughs> you lit on fire and then you could throw in the face of a Nazi. That that probably be something. Yeah, sure. But I did not even think about Negroni. It's, yeah, this is. You know what? Just, what are you drinking? <laughs> Just give me. What are you well, well, hold on one second. I just got to like point. Speaking of of uh, the uh, confirming through our scientific research that the blood that comes out of the face is in fact red. Um, do you remember this this like dumb rumor? I think it was like a '90s thing where it was like like do you know that like the blood in your body is actually blue? blue yes. And like it's not until it's oxidized yep. that it becomes red. red. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. I believe that for. Probably way longer than I should have. I, I believe that until this moment right now. I'm just laughing along in agreement. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is what you've signed on for, listener. Two intelligent conversations. Two about intelligent films. men. Yeah, talking yeah. about movies. This is what the world needs. Yep. Uh, we need another one of these podcasts. Like we need a yeah, like a, a neo-Nazi group uh, we're, performing. We're real niche, the... real niche over here. Two men <laughs> talking about movies. Niche, you're always with the N words tonight, Mickey. That's the theme. Get you're it gonna, together. <laughs> um, uh, what am I drinking? I'm drinking in honor of this film, like just cheap ass tall boy cans of beer that like someone gave me because I don't have any money for this shit. <laughs> okay fun fun nothing like big tall boys i'll let the listeners know that he's had a, quite a few of these tall boys i came down in the basement and he was butt naked he, <laughs> <laughs> that was it's this is basically like my dressing room before the show okay <laughs> it's okay? your green room it's your green room uh it's after hours i could be naked in the store it's fine <laughs> Yeah, as long as there are no underage kids in the store, you can be naked in our store. <laughs> There's always this moment where you, when you see a friend naked and you kind of just like you both kind of pretend for a minute like it, you you didn't see it. And then <laughs> and then like a beat. And then like, did I just did I see your dong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, sh I have to I have to end up showering with friends in the military sometimes. And that's always a. The first time you shower with I, a friend, it's an uncomfortable situation. It's, you know, if anything I, that I've learned from Starship Troopers is that, yes, uh, people in the military shower together. 
<laughs> I don't know so, if you get that reference. Oh yeah. All. Oh, I remember the shower scene. Oh yeah. She goes right that that was a moment. How I don't remember how old I was, but that may have been the reason I went to see it initially. This is, I, was, I thought I thought you were gonna say, and that's the reason why I joined the military. I thought it was gonna be co-ed showering with Denise Richards. <laughs> I thought no, all the she's girls. Not, she's, she's not in that scene. She's not in that scene. It's oh, uh, it's, it's the, the other yeah, girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, who he totally should have been with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh Anyways, gosh, she's, we're not. She's also of the two. I, I prefer over to Denise Richards. Oh, she's a more developed character. Yeah. She's more interesting. Anyways, yeah. we're not it's here tough. to talk about <laughs> Starship Troopers. Um, <laughs> uh, tonight, we are talking about 1978's The Green Room, also known as L'Encher Verret, a French oh. historical drama film directed by Francois Toutoff, based on the 1895 Whoa. short story. Don't don't interrupt me. The Altar of the Deer by Henry James, in which a man becomes obsessed with the dead people in his life and builds a memorial to them. What's what's pro- what, what are you, why are you interrupting my intro? No, go ahead. Continue. No, why? I want to no, I want I want to hear the bit. I want to hear the bit. Keep going. <laughs> That's the bit. This is where you come yeah. in. I, oh, wait a second. I didn't watch that movie. <laughs> did I get you though for a second? Yeah, at first, you, at first you did. At first you did. Because I because I've been waiting for this to happen. I've been waiting for the time to happen that we both agree that we love a movie and we're not talking about the same movie. We both agree, yeah, let's watch this movie. And I'm thinking one version and you're thinking the other. And we both watch it and come back. And we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> except for except for uh Starship Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a stretch it's a Starship Troopers episode. <laughs> and by the way, I do apologize for being so curt and rude to you earlier. It was part of the character and the joke. I hope you don't take offense Mm-mm. to me telling you, don't interrupt me when I'm speaking. Have you ever no, had that it. happen to you when somebody legitimately does that to you who's like not your parent? What that tells you not to interrupt them while they're speaking? Yeah. Like, yeah. who is that rude and curt with you the way I just was joking? All, all military people. Okay. I could see that because it's, it, well, I mean, there's clear status, right? It's oh, yeah. like, yeah. Um, so, anyway, tonight. What we're really talking about is writer-director Jeremy Saunier's 2015 hardcore punk versus neo-Nazi horror siege thriller, Green Room. Uh, The final installment of Saunier's self-titled Inept Protagonist Trilogy, beginning with 2007's Murder Party, which we did a Halloween episode on, uh, I think just last Halloween. So go listen to that if you like. Um, and which was followed by 2015's Blue Ruin. Green Room yeah. stars yeah. the posthumous Anton Yelchin with Sir Patrick Stewart, Imogen Poots, Aliyah Showcat, Mark Weber, Joe Cole, Colm Turner, and constant Saulnier collaborator in Muse, Makeum Blair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Mickey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's uh was this your pick or my pick? This was your pick, but I had picked this during St. Patrick's Day as well, and we had like a small talk yes. about it. Yes, we did. Um, so I guess th- th- that falls on me. Why green room? Yeah, why green room? Why are we talking about green room why and then we, our, our history bruisers. and relationship with the film? Well, why uh uh why are we doing a, a punky bruisers bloodbath section is uh 
constant listener and friend Chris suggested suggested uh, 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 this section. And I was like, you know what, man? I've been dying to talk about two of the films he mentioned. I think you have too. Uh, we're not giving it away right now what the other two are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we're also, drum roll, this is leading up to our season two finale. Um, so something special for the 4th of July. Ruminate on that. Um, so why green room? Yeah. Is the question I'm asking <laughs> yourself. <laughs> Do you need me on this podcast? Do you want me no, to no, be? No, no, no. You just... go away. You go away. Okay. Um... I'll, come, I'll come back <laughs> in an hour. Bring back like popcorn and beer. You got it. You got uh, it. Uh, and beer nuts. I haven't had beer nuts in a long time. I used to I'd love like this. That. You introduced me to beer nuts, believe yeah. it or not, um, at uh, that like Halloween party in Harlem. Good stuff. Um, so for me, this is a perfect fucking movie. Hmm. A film so horrifying and, and intense that while reading the screenplay, Sir Patrick Stewart had to stop reading it and turn on all the lights in his house and on his property. Wow. <laughs> um, I had such a fierce experience the first time I saw this, and every single time since then, including the sixth time that I watched it last night. It's a visceral experience. To echo the words of our protagonist, Pat, this film forces you to be present and engage. It's like going to a hardcore show. You're leaving in blood, sweat, spit, and tears. It's beautiful and violent, but endowed with purpose and reverence. It's kinetic and tactile and terrible. I want to puke and cry and cover my eyes and run away. Um, Speaking of the violence in the film, I, you know, the, there's there's a weight to the violence. You can't disassociate from it. It's not Rambo. There, there's no fun deaths. Uh, uh, life is a precious thing. And even when one of our heroes kills a Nazi scumbag, we see the cost of taking another life on the face of that character. There's no bloodlust. This, the, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's an emotional impact taking a life. There, there are good guys and bad guys, but Saunier infuses everybody with humanity and character. There's no celebration when a bad guy dies. Like cheering is replaced with catharsis. Um, I saw this movie the year it came out, unfortunately not in the theater, and I was just, I, I, I just every time I watch this movie. I am like buying a ticket to a ride that I think I'm ready for. And I discover that I am not. And I, I am exhausted by the end of it. I love it. Yeah. Um, what is your history and relationship to this film? I watched this film not long ago. Like I may have watched it for the St. Patrick's day. It's one it's been on my list since you since I heard you talk about it the first time. I was like, okay, that one's on the list because I could tell you had a a real love for this film. So um, you know, that just pushed it right to the top of the movies I needed to watch. So I think I think I actually watched it probably right before St. Patrick's Day, um a week or two before, in preparation for that episode, so I could use it on the episode. 
Um, but I watched it again last night. And the first time I watched it, it felt like a roller coaster. It felt like a ride, kind of like what you're talking about. You know, a lot of feelings. Uh, it's 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 exciting. It's it got you on the edge of your seat. They build, he builds suspense in just a truly superior way to a, than to a lot of films. They just really build suspense. It's like you can yeah. four people in a room has never been so intense with very little actually happening. Just just how the camera moves, how the music moves, how the actors imbue the feeling of like what the hell is going to happen what just happened what are we going to do so that part of it was great the first time second time i watched it surprisingly i thought it actually played better yeah i think the second time i watched it uh it still felt like a roller coaster but i was able to i think the first time you're watching it it's all happening kind of fast and it feels fast I remember telling Molly before yes. we watched it, I was like, this movie moves at a clip, man. It's like, boom, it's almost done by the time by the time you're caught up, it's done. And that's how it felt the first time. The second time, because I, I kind of knew everything that was happening and I knew all the beats and notes, I was able to sit with it a little bit better. And you get to really see the more subtle, brilliant performances uh, a little bit like what you were talking about. Like, you know, you were able to put, be more mindful of like how disturbing some of this is and how, like you said, the deaths aren't, you know, victories over bad people. It's like, no, there's a toll to living in a world of violence. And, and so definitely, I know we say this a lot, watch movies more than once, but this one, you're going to, your second watch is going to be very different from your first watch. And both are satisfying. Yeah. I, like I said, man, I think it's, it's something you can, you can repeatedly go back to. Yeah. Um, that's he, that's, I mean, Saulnier is that kind of director for me. He is, um, you know, I think if he was making films in the seventies, I think he would probably have as big a career as, uh, like Scorsese or something. That's, I know it's crazy to compare him to somebody like Scorsese, but his films just like, I feel like I'm a kid again watching watching the movies that feelings you have when you're a kid when when like it just you're not jaded yet and everything's just feels like i don't know you're i didn't know this was part of life i didn't it, know you could do that i didn't know this could be put on film this feels like wrong this feels like you're not you shouldn't be allowed to do this what am i watching but like not in an uh exploitative way you know what what are some other besides Murder Party that we've covered on this on this podcast? But what are some other movies? You said Blue Ruin. Yeah. So his his inept. Uh, I love that 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 uh, mm -hmm. this trilogy, the inept protagonist trilogy. Um, so I saw when I saw Green Ruin, I was like, I need to see more of this guy's stuff. So then I saw Blue Ruin, which is a masterpiece. Um, okay. You should definitely see Blue Ruin. Um, it's something that that like is horror adjacent but it's definitely not horror um it's like a revenge story but like told in this very similar um what i considered to be uh like like a very like the scenario we the siege we find yeah. our characters in in this film i thought was very realistic and earnestly performed uh brilliantly mm -hmm. performed by everybody in the cast i know i i i I said uh, basically the core group, but everybody in this movie is fantastic and believable. Um, and uh, uh, 
so anyways, a, a blue ruin is a revenge story, but told uh, uh, through like, oh, yeah, I guess if like if these circumstances were to happen to me and I went on a revenge mission. Yeah, it's not it's not going to I'm not Mel Gibson in yeah. a Hollywood movie uh, payback. Um, uh, speaking of Nazis and people hating Jewish people. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like. That I guess that's where I connect with it so well. He, well, it's, he uses violence in such a uh, effective and interesting way, and he builds these realistic stories that I, I like, am on board with the characters. I'm, I'm there. I, I see myself in it, um, and, and I'm and thoroughly he, entertained. And he, I, and he's able to do all that grounding and realism while still putting in what I consider such organic levity yes like that's one yes. thing you know it's like both molly and i laughed when you knew that he was putting in some levity but the levity wasn't like something it was almost like some, something that happened out of awkwardness versus like i'm gonna crack a joke right now to bring it up his, it was like his, it was like yeah go ahead go no no you go you go no, i'm just i'm just saying that that point that it was just like it, it felt like we're laughing because we're all uncomfortable for them, but there is a moment of like, you know, that would naturally be a part that would happen. And we would all probably sit there and get a little, I don't know. It's just, it's just really smart, really well, well done. La laughter and comedy, right? Like laughter and horror. They're, they're so, uh, um, uh, laughter and horror so closely related. Yep. Right. That's, it's, it's something that's been said. I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. Yeah, a, a scare um, and a joke are built the same mechanically. Yeah. Yeah, and um, his, like, to go along with what you were saying about the levity, his, like, favorite comedies is uh, Zodiac and Boogie Nights. <laughs> Saulnier, the yeah. director. So, I mean, that gives you some insight into yeah. what he finds humorous. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um there, uh, so I wanted to talk to you about this. Uh, um, uh, so the movie starts out right. We, there's this band and they're touring, yeah. right? And I, I what I, I think he captures so well at the beginning of the film is that beautiful window of time when you're completely dedicated to your art. You become obsessed nothing matters you'll live in squalor in order to obtain your artistic goals you'll you'll suffer and starve and yeah. sim simple things like a, a free humble meal of ramen noodles and some shitty beer is like a gift from the gods literally all the money you have is in your wallet you know mm -hmm. you you find your tribe you form your family and you go for it. You have you have nothing to lose and everything to gain at this mm -hmm. time in your life, which coincides with right like eighteen to like twenty five. Because you you know typically if you're if you're um, if you're like me and Mickey or Mickey and I uh, or or like most of the artistic family, um, you you're not married. You're not tied down to anything. You just, you're, you're, you leave home and you, you're going for it. And the only way to do it really is to become obsessed. I thought that was beautifully captured in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Also uh, able to establish that feeling and that character development 
without exposition, without yes, drown, you know, I it's like efficiency. Oh man, efficiency and also use of like real dialogue. Like they're not talking about oh man, we got to get to the gig. We're in a band. I mean, no, they're like they're like the guys doing a fart joke and they're and they're drinking you know cheap beer and they're laughing and you know fucking with each other. It's like that's what life is. We're not talking about the thing we're going to do while we're going to go do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, oh, I, shit, we woke up like, ah, fuck, we're out of gas. How do we get gas? And it's like, we just, we find out all these things. We put it all together. He, yep. he's putting a puzzle together for us and we're watching, he's visually telling stories, mm-hmm. the story. And we yeah. like, he assumes his audience mm-hmm. is intelligent. That's, that's the gift you get usually from an independent filmmaker, uh, is that the stakes are, aren't as high as like a huge budget so that he tell that they not he they can tell the story uh the way they want and assume that their audience is intelligence because they don't have a team of people who are like well we we focus tested yeah. this i showed, I showed this to my seven-year-old daughter and she said it didn't make sense you should i think every seven-year-old daughter should see this movie <laughs> it's, it's it's a warning it's a warning don't hang out with that crowd you don't want to hang <laughs> out with that crown. <laughs> don't hang out with Nazis. It's sad. Do you have you know, to have? Oh well, yeah, but we have to have a warning now. No, it's true. No, we do. you kind of you kind of you kind of do. Unfortunately, yeah. um, uh, Sonier um, uh, talks about like uh, this that like when you know it was, 2016 was a different time. Sonier, uh, in doing research for the film, didn't want to make like a political statement when he made the film, right? right? Uh, so this sort of terrible part of American culture that was sort of, um, uh, sidelined to, um, you know, chat rooms yeah, and, uh, you know, just like this ugly thing on the side that wasn't in the forefront, um, you know, and he unfortunately had to mine that information in order to have the proper amount of knowledge to infuse his script with properly and then a few years later you hear it echoed throughout you know the executive branch of our government and it's it's just it's so crazy to me that we went from a time where it was like oh yeah nazis are scumbags to like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's hear what this Nazi has to say. You know, it's like perverting and distorting the First Amendment, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, to give a platform to people to just spew hate. Well, and it's, yeah. It's like, and in, in, I feel like, and I could, this is just me talking. I'm not making a statement for Sonia or anybody else. But for me, it does feel like, because I was not, lucky enough to see this when it came out but i feel like it had it come out and had i seen this in 2015 my thought would be like yeah nazis are freaking crazy people of course they would you know try to kill these dudes sure whatever it's like you know my opinion of it was was like that but now watching it i'm like this i i feel like there's got to be one of these outside my town there's got to be one of these little places like this in every pocket of america because it just feels like it feels like something that was distant at a time in my life, and now does it feel so distant? It was Nazis were low hanging fruit for a bad guy in a movie. Yeah, you know, and yeah. 
you know, Sonier talks about this. And if you're familiar with the hardcore scene at all, you'll know this, that in the 90s, like going to a hardcore punk show, you, there were not there were neo-Nazis there. Yeah, they just were there. And they were just part of like they're like a douchey part of like that experience. And they would usually get their asses kicked. But like they were just there. Like one of my favorite books by Joe Mino is called Hairstyles of the Damned. And he so captures like like punk in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And there's there's just those people. They're there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they don't have a platform. You know what I mean? They're not the 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 president isn't like, yeah. you know, the president of the United States is not like, hey, 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 you know, maybe maybe these maybe these people have something to say. There, there's maybe there's we should such, listen. There's such a minority and so niche that it's almost like you get that there's going to be a, a percentage of the world that's that large that's going to be like that. It's almost like not saying that that you are good with it, but that you just kind of accept. It's like. Yeah, but then when that small portion starts to their verbiage and their rhetoric starts to leak its way into mainstream society, it starts mm -hmm. to feel really scary, you know. I, and I and I grew up in um. I grew up around you know like I knew people that had family in the KKK. And Oof. yeah, I know. And so like I grew up with that stuff being like more acceptable the kkk that is not the nazis because even the kkk hates nazis but um now they're one and the same now they now they're like lunch buddies you know now they're like mm, taking joint forces. phone calls yeah back in the day the kkk was like no we're all americans dude we don't go for nazis it's like what how did like the how did neo-nazis become like also the bastions of the american flag you know it's like neo-nazi associated groups like Proud Boys and stuff like that. How did they and Oath Breakers and people? It's like now they're now they represent the American flag. This is what's eerie about now versus then. Mm -hmm. It's super creepy. But anyway, it's so I, I clear the, the I, I digress. Yeah, I digress. The, I could go on this yeah. for the whole episode. Well, so to, so to go back to Darcy, right? Uh, Patrick Stewart's character. Mm -hmm. What what he's doing, right? And, and uh, all of this stuff is there in the background. He's not, Sonier is not hammering this stuff away. It's just there. So what Darcy is doing is he's manipulating people, which is often the case, right? The people um, get lost. They need a purpose. They need a symbol. They need a cause, right? Yep. It infuses your life with purpose. We'll even say, and, we'll even go a step further and say, because I know we can talk about imaging boots in a little bit, but yes, young young men are the highest recruited and have the highest retention of any of all these extreme organizations. Yeah, because we're, we're you know you have all that testosterone and you're like yeah. uh, and catcher in the rye, right? Uh, uh, mm -hmm. um, our, the protagonist is like, I'm ready to die for a cause. And his teacher is mm -hmm. like, you, you, no, you should want to live for something, not die yeah. for something. And that's I a know. very common thing for young men to be like, young I'm man. ready yeah. to die for something. For I something need, I, believe a, in, yeah. I need something to believe in. And when you are uh, maligned and destitute and you've been treated like garbage your whole life and someone comes to you and they show you kindness and love and they give you a purpose 
those people with, with, it's, with the added effect of, of cheap drugs. Yeah, that's that's also a booze and drugs or whatever. But but I think more more so. Right. Is that is that purpose? Acceptance. It's like someone someone's giving me positive yeah. uh, uh, reinforcement in my life for the first time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can understand how. You can be manipulated into yeah. slowly getting into something, you know, and we, we see mm -hmm. and, and make them Blair's character, um, Gabe, right? Yeah. He's new to this cause. I mm -hmm. love making Blair, by the way. He's fantastic. You should see all the movie he yep. directs and writes as well. Um, yep. His character is so interesting, especially when you watch it upon multiple views. You see him struggle like struggle with what he's doing and then when at the end when he's just like i, I want to go to jail yeah you believe it and it's it's it, again it's 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 like you know the, the 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 terrible uh guy uh with the dogs um clark yeah. you know it's like those those Dogs are innocent, but they're being used for this violent mm -hmm. purpose. And when the when uh, that dog just wants to be next to his master at the end mm -hmm. to die with his master, and um, when he realizes that his dog has yeah. been fatally wounded, and he gives him it, like you see the tenderness there. It's well, it's, it's just also, well, that's also like a metaphor for for what we're talking about. Right? The dog yeah. has been indoctrinated, and then it's still to the death is willing to die for the thing it believes in. And the thing it believes in is the thing that's been drilled into it without its own. There's there's this whole, and I'm not going to get in all this, but there's this whole like amazing article about the Mumbai train station and how different terrorist organizations will camp out there like like universities do at high schools in America. And they just wait. And as young kids get off the train from their small villages to come and find work in Mumbai, they just start recruiting. And that's where they get most of the recruits. It's, it's an insane article, but it talks about how young men who don't have acceptance and they don't have a place, they're directionless, how easily they can be turned into terrorists and extremists. And it's like, it's like young men, it was like, the article was like a warning. It was like an Atlantic or something, or, uh, but it was like a warning to, to parents of young men and young men around the world. It's like, like it can happen. We can all be radicalized. You have to be prepared to not be radicalized at all times at a certain age at a certain, you know? So yeah, you, you need to be, we need to infuse, knowledge. Yeah. We, we need to infuse young people with knowledge and self-worth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's, yeah. Th it's through that you won't make these, you know, I almost became a Scientologist. I, I was know like, you did. I was like a moment away from it. I went, I was like, I didn't, you know, going clear wasn't out. I, uh, I went to like the center. I was like, why are people, you know, why are people always protesting Scientology to me? Like Catholicism is just a story. I, I grew up Catholic. I'm like, it's just a story. They have a story, you know? And I went in and like, I was totally manipulated and ready to turn. And then my partner, Allie, was like, no, Tra no, Travolta this, did all it. these very. Th yeah. I'm like, I could be Travolta. Cruz did it. You're basically um, but, you're basically the, the, those two guys rolled into one. Right. And if I had joined, so Allie screwed me over. I, I, know. I should become a Scientologist. I when think people, what... when people have me, <laughs> when people say describe Michelangelo to me, I'm always like, 
You take the best of Travolta and the best of Cruz. You smush that together, and you got Michelangelo. Oh man, that's only, so nice. The only thing you're missing <laughs> is the Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was your. That was, that was the it. thing. That was the thing. But on, unfortunately for me, Going Clear came out like the next day, and I saw yeah. it, and like I was like, oh shit. Um. Anyways, back to the movie. Um, back to the beginning of the movie. I had a question for you. When they're playing that gig in the yeah. the the restaurant in the <laughs> afternoon, yeah. have have you ever had to give like an all out like balls to the wall performance to a small group of people, like two or th- two or three in the afternoon in a setting that's not conducive to a performance and no one cares? Not <laughs> two or three in the afternoon, but Molly and I like both laughed out loud. When I when so <laughs> in the er, in the <laughs> in two thousand four two thousand five, I was the front man of a rock and roll band in Northeast Arkansas. No, you because, weren't. Really? Yes, I, I absolutely was. What was the name? I, I put four man scramble. Uh, I put that's a golf term. Uh, I played uh, rhythm guitar and lead vocals, and we mainly covered three eleven, and we covered um uh like. I would do a set of just acoustic uh, jams, like some Sublime, some stuff like that, and then so it was more most of that like California, like <laughs> I guess reggae kind of rock. I don't know, very uh-huh. white people stuff. But um, so uh, so I, I fronted that band, and we did about four original songs, and we got big enough to eventually open for a pretty big act that came into the university in that town. That was the biggest we got. And then I, you know, went off and did other things. But when I first started, we were looking for anywhere to get a gig. And the only place that would give me a gig is a Mexican restaurant on a Friday night at like (laughs) nine o'clock. And they said, you can play in our basement. So the restaurant was above and in their basement, all they had was like a little bar. I wasn't even the main restaurant. And we would get like three or four people who would like curiosity, you know, curiosity would get them. They'd walk down to the basement and be like, uh, okay. And they'd stay for like a song and then walk back up. And it was m- mainly just us playing in an empty room. It basically was a rehearsal. And, and we did that. And I would have Molly come to shows. And sometimes it would just be Molly and two of her friends, the only people in the crowd. And we're playing like, uh, but man, playing our hearts out. Yeah, you got playing it. my right? heart out, and like and like having so much fun. The only problem that I had was that a, a, as time went by and our crowds grew and things got better, I got really bad about like having one or two beers during the set. Ah, uh, yes. So that when I went to like the last couple songs, it was like Mickey, you're you're not keeping it all together, but you're kind of you're yeah. a little off, you're a little sloppy. So, but no, but it was, it was actually a great time of my life. And I, I love that part of the movie too, because we were getting paid what I think that they would, the restaurant would pitch in like 25 bucks or something, something really low, like not even just gas money, 25 bucks. And then any, uh, we could take tips and then they would split anybody who ordered at that particular bar. So it was like, we made no money. It was just yeah. going to play and get the experience. You were performing. Yeah. Right. But man, it was it was, we had a good forming, set. Yeah. We had a good set. I, I actually wrote a song. Uh, this is too much. We'll end up this. But I wrote a song for Molly and debuted it at one of those shows. Oh, that's smooth. Was that's, she like? She was fell she in like love with me right then and there. She, dude, she told him she fell in love with me right then and there. 
I don't know. I think you being drunk and sweaty, half out of a Batman costume at a Halloween party at a news station is is, that's when she fell. But and if you don't know that story, you gotta go back and listen to episodes. I'm not gonna tell you which episode that was, listener. But if you're two of the people who always listen, uh, one of our beloved ones, uh, you know, Kristen and Chris. Uh, they're not the same people either. Um, they're not. <laughs> but no, the um. But yeah. So no, I. So I 100% know that feeling. And like, I remember like one set. Like it was like, dude, can I just get some Mexican food uh, from you guys? And then being like, yes, but you have to pay full price. It's like I don't get like even 10% off or anything. They're like, no. <laughs> so I'm like literally like paying most of my <laughs> earnings to eat there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> reality check. Yeah, yeah, but no, but in our minds, we were amazing. Hey, that's what it's all. That's I feel like that's us in a way here at the podcast. Yeah, this is an no amazing podcast. <laughs> this is an amazing podcast. Though. I, I show um, up ready to go. I also, though, have a couple beers and then get a little sloppy at the end. Right. Uh, me too. <laughs> um, I've I've also had that experience I, i'm not musically inclined um uh but i've i've done many a play to like nobody in the crowd i i, I was doing a, sh- a play in chicago and the play starts out with me and i'm sitting and i'm watching television and the audience is sitting where the television is and i'm talking about these right these rhinos fucking and mm-hmm. like it was during like a play festival. So it's like an afternoon show. And basically someone would be, you know, there'd be groups of people outside, like tricking people in to come see a free play essentially. Right. So yeah. trying to get a decent crowd. And yep. then you open this play and here's this guy, I don't know. And he's like graphically talking about rhinoceroses is like, like fucking each other. And like, just like, 80 90 percent of the people would get out during this monologue as i was giving it you know what i mean yeah um uh but anyways tad let's talk about tad for a second (laughs) okay right you know who i'm talking about tad Tad is is the guy who sets up a little nerd guy is he setting them up in the beginning well, yeah, he's, a, he's the one who's like they, they the, drive. The they drive to he's, a. He's not a reporter. They drive he's like to a, a, Well, he's, he he has a radio station and yeah. he's a, he's a punk guy and he he's he uh what 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 is the people what are, what do you call the people who like organize musical performances? A promoter. A promoter. He's a promoter, right? Or low level yeah. like punk promoter. Yeah. And um, in Astoria, Oregon. Yep. In the Pacific Northwest, same town as Goonies, by the way. The Pack New. Same town. The pack new. Um, so Tad fucking sucks. The actor's yeah. brilliant. I love it. He's perfect casting there. Perfect casting. Um, I feel like I know that guy. I do know that guy. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. everyone, ha- I think everyone has a guy like that in their life. Uh, if you don't have a guy like that in your life, maybe you're not living an interesting life. Uh, <laughs> but that sounded judgmental. I'm sorry. Um, so Tad <laughs> yeah. sucks. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Does he send them on yep. that gig because Reese belittled him or was he mm. truly trying to make amends? Either way, I find it interesting that it's an act of violence that propels the aren't rights to their bloody end. I, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think that's a great question. I I always thought that he was somehow setting them up. Okay. Okay. But I really don't have a clear like thing I can point to to say why. But there is something that I don't know. I mean, it could be fate too, but but it definitely felt like, look, I got another gig for you guys. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I think it, I think it's a mix. Like, I never had this thought until I watched it last I don't think night. He, I don't think he thought they were going to go through what they went through. But I think that it was like, you're going to get your, like, you're not going to, this is a, this is a rough crowd. Like, this is not going to probably go well for you. But not that but, you're all going to die. I don't know. But he know he knows that like it pays because like the gig pays like three fifty, right? Which in that in, when you're living that situation like you just described, you're you're like you go you get paid twenty five dollars to play at this Mexican restaurant, and, the and meal like costs thirty. You basically end up yeah yeah you end up it's out of pocket essentially. So it's like three hundred and fifty dollars for a gig, right? Is like my I think my first paid acting job um was uh, a play called Arthur Miller's A View from the Bridge. I played Marco. And it was like I think it was something like five it was like five hundred or something over five hundred dollars. And I was just like dumbfounded with like I can't believe like this is a this is my first like, oh my God, I can't believe they're yeah. paying me this much money. And it's like, you know, if, 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 like when you're doing a play, it's a tremendous amount of work. It's not one night. Right. You know what I mean? It's weeks of rehearsal and weeks of performances. And you just give it everything. Anyways, like, so it's like $350 for a gig. That's, that's big money for a band like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's like you know you I mean, know what I mean. It's just like was he subconsciously doing so? That's what that's what I find so interesting about Sonia's material. It's like you can't nail down the answer to that. I th- I think there might also be I, I I'll say this about Sonia. Just having watched Murder Party, um, he has a feeling about artists. I feel. Yeah, um, and there is something kind of not funny, but but there's an underwriting story there of Tad, right? Like we we know by the casting that Tad is a not a tough guy. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not, he's not a like a crazy punk. You know, he's just not. He's just you know. It's like it's 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 cosplay you know this is what this is who tad's character is we're spending a lot of time by the way on a character that is not <laughs> not that huge but does, no does but he, he's, he, he, is, he, is, he propels he instigates, what happens yeah. in the story yeah he, but, he doesn't but, instigate but like he like reese does something that causes for one reason or another this character to send them to what unfolds right yeah. the meat of the story so anyway, my, um, my point is that if you look at Tad, that he's definitely not a tough guy, but he but he presents himself as like a tough punk guy or a punk, you know, like purist or whatever. I feel like knowing that scene, he knows that he's walking them into something sketchy. 
I don't know that he that his that he was like obviously not not thinking that it was going to go as dark as it did. But but you know who knows? It's it's that's the point of the movie. It's like it that's what's great about people who don't beat you over the head with exposition. It allows you to put imbue imbue the film with a part of yourself and your own thoughts and ideas. Have you ever? This is a dumb question. I know we we often talk about how Mickey is the most American southern guy in the world but he's he doesn't look that way once you see him <laughs> um uh um <laughs> uh so dumb question have you ever played a nazi i have in a never, like you know a play or a, a have, television I, show or something i have never played a nazi yeah it doesn't make sense that you would because you don't <laughs> look white at all you sound white i'm trying to explain if people saw me you'd be like that would be that we would need exposition for this. <laughs> this he's, he's, a, he's adopted from Honduras. I uh, look but very raised in Texas and uh, Arkansas. And 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 I'll tell you, just talking about being indoctrinated and and doing stupid things when you're a young man because you're just dumb and stupid and you want to fit in and you want to be accepted. I used to have a rebel flag above my bed yeah. when well, I was in high school. To, it's embarrassing was... to say. I'm embarrassed to say it. I hope I don't lose any listeners because I admit that because I think it's dumb. I feel like it was stupid. I've learned was a, a lot dumb, since then. Yes, there was a dumb, innocent time when, like, ignorant people, no offense to you, Mickey, saw the Confederate flag as a form of rebellion, not the racist <laughs> symbol that it is. And You know, and, that's that's how innocent we were. That's how so far beyond... All of this shit we thought we were that it was like, oh, yeah, it's just like it's just like a fun rebellious, not armed with knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you really knew, you probably wouldn't use that as your form of rebellion. If if rather than just like listening to your like some of my, you know, you go when you grow up in northeast Arkansas and you're a minority, you are a minority. And. There was nobody else to talk to really about Duff. So my mm-hmm. main friend group were all of one type. And, you know, I'm doing anything I can to fit in because I don't want to be different. Nobody wants to be different. The white, the white type. The southern white type is what yeah, Nikki m- saying. Yeah, middle class, white, all-American football playing, tobacco spitting, Arkansas boys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's what that, you were when I met you. He was yeah. basically Matthew McConaughey with a guitar, but he looked like a, a Honduras Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that's about right. So, so yeah, so these things, it's it's, it's easy to be for those things to happen. All right, continue, Michelangelo. I, I cut you off. I I also played a Nazi, or no, you, I I played a Nazi. You, you played, I played a, a Nazi. Nazi, really? I so I played. So I, I got to perform at the historical Cherry Lane Theater in uh, 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 a series of plays uh, in the, uh, oh, shit, what was it? Queen Latina, I can't remember the, the whole thing now, but, like, our protagonist was this Latina uh, woman, young woman of power, and in the episode of the performance I was in, I played a Nazi Razi dance boy. 
where <laughs> there was this okay. Nazi woman who had her Nazi Razi dance boys. So it was like, you know, I was, I was, it was sort of like in the, in the vein of like Mel Brooks I'm where it's like these, it, yeah. these Nazis are dumb. Duck They're soup. Dumb. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had to remember, you know, I had to dance and like, I, I, um, I bought all these fake tattoos, not Nazi tattoos, right? Just what I thought would work for it. And yeah. I like, I grew my beard and then shaved in like mutton chops and, uh, like what I consider to be a racist tattoo, and I don't think it is, but there was something that was racist to me about it is I, I got, they were really like realistic tattoos. Um, uh, uh, again, none of them were, uh, racist at all. I just wanted to look tatted up. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Tread lightly with the right? story. <laughs> so, so I got a bald Eagle, fake tattoo that went across my chest and okay. like came up my neck because there's nothing racist about the bald eagle. Yeah. Right. But I could see a neo-Nazi co-opting the bald eagle okay. and having it on their chest. Okay. Anyways. So back, back to the movie um, before, before all the carnage, right. Happens and they're playing. Right. There is this beautiful scene where doesn't matter what your symbol is or whatever it is that's supposed to represent you, your cause, your crest, it, it, it all fades away. And they're just this group of people in a room sharing this experience together. And it's like shot beautifully. And the music changes into this beautiful thing. And like, it almost brings me to tears every time I watch it because it's like. It is beautiful filmmaking. Molly and I both were sitting there like, I, this is how you're supposed to do it. And it's, it's a, it's a real thing. It's like, you're fucking different than me and you're fucked up. And I'm going to sing this song that tells you, fuck you. But then it all like, like they all just gel together in this like live moment together before before it all goes to shit. I also want to mention while we're still in the first part of the movie, I love the scene of them on the bike. The color. Oh yeah. The color, Ooh. the movement, the light, the composition. Beautiful shot. Just a beautiful shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like a um, simple shot, but a beautiful shot. So it, shows, then, it also establishes the relationship with these friends. These aren't yes. they, they, these aren't friends that get together for brunch once a week. These are siblings. These people live together. Yeah, they tour together. They're together constantly. If you want to read a good book about being in a band and being in a van, I highly recommend Dave Grohl's Storyteller. Mm. Wonderful. Um. So. Let's talk about the event. Okay, let's do it. When they discover the body and they they get trapped in that room. Man, you know, they're all breaking down. That's what's so like that's the visceral part of this is is uh, I just so identify. Like, yeah, they're hard they're a hardcore punk band, but they're artists. They're people. They're civilians. They're not trained killers. You know? It's like this is scary. 
you know like when uh tiger is like yo man we were so drunk we didn't see anything you know it's like we could just just let us go you know and yeah. and make them blair gabes is just like you're not we're not kidding we're not keeping you here you're yeah. just staying staying here. here you know yeah um god it's just like like it's building and it's building and it's building and uh, like like the, the moment they give him the gun before before we get to that before we get to that <laughs> okay, okay 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 the storytelling of like they like he you know uh um uh Gabe sets up the whole thing he pays the two kids to stab each other because mm. you know uh Pat made the call it's just like it all it's all flawless it all it's all working so well mm-hmm. and Patrick Stewart is like so calm yeah and like so, we love Patrick Stewart yeah right and he's playing he's, this terrible he, guy but like he, he makes me understand why he would have a group of people like even like just the Come on back tomorrow night, boys. We'll beers at first beers for two hours on the house or whatever, whatever he says. Yeah. It's, it's like it's not man. a party. It's a movement. Yeah. It's it, you also feel like it, it's believable. With somebody like him. If he were like some raging racist redneck, you'd be like, well, how did this guy get all this legions of people to to do what he says at a whim? No, but when it's somebody with his agency, gravitas and calm stillness. It's like you're like, yes, this is the time. This is a very scary dude. I got a question to ask you about him. Um, he's so iconic, right? Yep. Obviously. Like, does he sound American? <laughs> or is he so much Patrick Stewart that even though he's is like, is his American bad? Is his standard American dialect bad? Or is he so infused in my brain that, like, I just can't hear him without it? Yes, number two. I think that's... I also feel that way. That, like, there's a disconnect when he doesn't use his British accent. Because I'm like, but but I know who you are and I know how you sound so much that it just feels weird. Yeah. You know? It's like when, you know, it, that that happens when, when you've, when you're so memeable when you're somebody like, you know, that people quote from other films in that accent. I mean, it's just, it's hard to get out of it. I think that's, I think we bring a part of our own love for Patrick Stewart in there and it, and it throws it. Cause I, I had the same feeling, especially the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't like, I, I almost would have gone on a, gone out on a ledge and said, I don't know if I even like his portrayal of this character. I don't even know if he's actually Whoa. doing good acting. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish before you start throwing beer cans at me. Because those are big <laughs> beer cans. Jesus Christ. Hold I wish on. I had 40s right now. Hold on. To fucking beam at your stupid head. <laughs> you fucking cunt. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Wow. I wow. went there. You really are. Yeah. And he's, oh, he's lacing. I'm a, he's I'm lacing a lover up. of this. Oh, he's lacing up his shoes and they're red laces, people. They're red laces. No, no. They're red, <laughs> white, and green like the Italian flag. <laughs> so I, so I, uh, no, I, I, I might have said something like that, but on the second watch, it's a flawless performance and it's subtle and it's awesome. And he is so good and it would not be as good so with good. somebody else. But yes, 
him not having his accent in a role is uh, is slightly off putting a little bit just because you just just especially if you love him. I mean, I I, I yeah. feel like I'm hearing it though. That's that's what I'm talking about. I feel like oh, I'm hearing it. No, I don't. I I think he did a pretty good job of covering it. Okay, the thing happens, right? They they try to give Darcy the gun mm-hmm. stupidly. But mm-hmm. like I believe it. It's a stupid decision, but like it's believable to me. Uh and you I'm st- very curious. I'm uh, gonna continue uh, to ask you this. As a yeah. man, as a person yeah. who has seen actual yeah. combat and violence because yeah. you serve our country, yeah. like do you find their actions believable and the violence realistic? You asking me now? I'm asking you now, and I'm I'm going to continue throughout their decisions. You Anton know? Yelchin, uh, you know, giving the gun back, gets grabbed. They see the boots. Gets they slam the door on the arm. It's his. He doesn't get the door slammed on him. He gets the door slammed on him, and then a machete yeah. chops up his, his arm. Yeah. yeah. To I, I, I just got to say real quick, like. I, I every time that scene happens, I cannot. Yes. I cover my eyes and I'm yep. looking through my fingers, okay. and like I don't know what's going on with me right now. But like last night <clears throat> when I was watching it, like my cat, my 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 two cats, they just got spayed. And last night we we bought these like uh, large uh, cages, kennels essentially, to put them in to keep them safe. But they were like. They were crying for me. So there's a lot like emotionally going on with me. I don't know if that had to do with anything, but like that scene happens. Yeah. And like I am, that's the thing I was telling you where it's like I want to puke and I'm, I was crying. I had tears yeah. streaming down my face. I couldn't watch it. It's like disgusting. His mm-hmm. art, like that, that thing's getting amputated, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's being held together with duct tape, but like, mm-hmm. like once he gets medical attention, that arm is gone, mm-hmm. and it's just so disgusting looking. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, ugh, it's it, the the beauty of practical effects enhanced by CGI is amazing. On top of like a performance, like as I Song say, Ye, performance is its own special effects. Yeah, and Son Sonye was like uh, 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 to to Yelchin was like, "Yo, dude, you gotta like you gotta do like wrist stretches tonight, and like do a bunch of stuff because like you your arms just gotta look so floppy." And like they they like they nailed it in my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, what I was gonna say was that so the door gets slammed on, it gets pulled in. We see the guy's the boots. He gets hacked. When he comes in, his reaction to that. I'm going to say is as close to perfectly embodying what I think something like that would be like. Uh, it's real terror. It makes my blood pressure spike. Um, it, the movie for that brief second when he's not even seconds, it's a minute, but during that whole little section and other sections of this movie too, but especially that section, it actually transcends movie watching to feeling like a documentary or something. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. And I have seen victims of extreme violence in person after the violence has been perpetrated to them or on them. And typically what I've come to 
notice about something like that is that once the reality of what just happened to you sits in, it is, it is panic. It is, it -hmm. is frenetic, you know? Um, but what's creepy is that sometimes it takes a minute for that to happen. And you, the person looking at somebody that's just been very, like that hasn't sunk into them what happens and you see what's happened to them. That is also a very chilling experience because they're like looking normal because they don't realize like their arms are blown off or something. And then once they make that connection, it's like they're complete. Everything changes in them. It like, it's like 90 to nothing or, or nothing to 90 you know, miles per hour. Would you wait around like they do? Like the steps, the ste- all the steps. Yeah. I find them very believable. And like, it's very easy watching this movie. Well, you're so wrapped times. up in it. You're so wrapped up in it. Well, 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 when you're watching it the first time, it's one thing, but when you're watching it multiple times, you're like, oh no, they're Nazis. They're terrible. They're obviously doing these, like Reese's, Reese's mentality, right? Of yeah. like, no, fuck this. Like, you know, we got to go out there and fucking, you know, it's, it's fucking in, uh, uh, Imogen Poots character, um, Amber, right? Cause yeah. she knows who they are. She knows who she's dealing with. Yeah. Um, just how they wait, how they give up the gun, how they like, I don't, I, as you, again, you're like a person who's like, seen violence up close like do you buy the steps these characters take i've I've never yeah it's not been an issue with me watching the film so i don't want to like fabricate something right now and say that so it's never been an issue to me no um i am way more a reese than i am a pat or a Mm -hmm. tiger like i i think that about myself um reese is much more of a man of action and a man of like let's just we have to handle this mm-hmm. you know so i like it when they when they when they're when they go out of the green room finally and like tiger's like yo should we do this and reese is like whatever whatever <laughs> I, I don't i don't have answers for you dude yeah. this is like yeah. i told you already this is whoever gets away mm-hmm. right do what you have to do what you think you need to do i'm not your leader yeah you're an individual person you need to make your own individual choices yeah. i like totally identified with tiger at that like i feel very close <laughs> to tiger and sam yeah um and that like it's like tiger when he goes to fucking uh uh attack um big justin played by eric mm. edelstein uh uh who's a brilliant um when he like he like and like bites his shoulder he does nothing and then he yeah. just fucking crushes like thank <laughs> god reese grew up doing jujitsu you yeah. know yeah no reese is kind of the badass you know and it's so effortlessly explained it's yep. like yeah, yep. he's like a like a jujitsu guy, you know. He's just fucking mm-hmm. done this shit, and he's got he's in a hardcore band, and he's like he's like he's like one of the legitimate tough guys in the yeah. in the hardcore scene. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like even him, man. Oh god, it's so brutal. He gets yeah. out the window, and he's just like 
like cowardly stabbed in the back. I know. And then Patrick Stewart's just like, uh, is he still alive? Let him bleed out. It'd be better for the time, the timing. <laughs> you like my Patrick Stewart? That was pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting? <laughs> it was interesting. I think you was... meant brilliant. I think, <laughs> I think you meant spot, spot on. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, Reese was a tough one to lose, man. I think, I think of the group, I mean, obviously Anton Yelchin, I mean, Pat is, is, I love the performance. I love the character, but I do kind of have like a soft spot for Reese. It, uh, speaking of Pat, right? Like yeah. I love, by the way, I just got to say, I'm missing a whole page of notes. I don't know where they went, <laughs> but I love that. Um, uh, we think, okay, Anton Yelchin, he, by the way, RIP. Yeah, RIP, for sure. Absolutely. God, a, fucking what a what senseless a death. What, what a, a senseless, stupid death. Um, for those who don't know, do you want to tell us how he passed? Yeah. Um, uh, fuck, he was running late for a rehearsal. He's leaving his house. His driveway is on a, a slight uh mm -hmm. incline and um he was like oh forgot something decided he put his jeep into park but this was a particular model where uh they there was a big recall because of them not going into the gear that they're supposed to be in and he walks back to his gate to get into his house to pick up his notes or whatever and um and and uh, this could be bullshit this is just what's out there i don't know yeah. what happened yeah. i wasn't there um uh, uh but uh the car did not go into park it went into neutral and slowly rolled back and just crushed him pinned him and he died of uh um uh a uh, uh extreme asphyxiation i forget yeah, what it's called but basically yeah. he was pinned and he couldn't breathe and he fucking died and it was fucking tragic and it's awful. And uh, he was a, a brilliant, beautiful, talented artist. Uh, um, and it's a fucking waste and it's a shame. Mm -hmm. And um, he he actually uh, uh, was in a band. He was uh, 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 played a lot of instruments. Um, uh, played at the Viper Room Midnight show on sundays um <laughs> he was always very uh if you if you look at interviews and stuff he was always like ah yeah like i play some shitty instruments and stuff but it's like no the guy was very very talented he played a lot of mm -hmm. stuff and like anyways very very sad yeah. um i don't even know what i was saying before <laughs> we went there well you talk about pat i said i have a soft spot for oh, reese oh. So, so Pat, he's our, he's our, uh, is, uh, part of the, uh, inept protagonist, right? We, it's, I love that it's not Pat who becomes a badass, right? It's yeah. Imogen Poot's character, right. who's like a neo Nazi. Yeah. She's the fucking badass. Yep. Pat doesn't make it through this without her, no. without Amber, you know? She's like fucking awesome. <laughs> anyways what you were saying earlier about the paintball story yeah um 
it's like the like so the first that first section where he's telling the story after his arm's been chopped and they're about yeah. to go out there it's like he starts to get into this monologue and i always find it very it's like whenever there's a movie and someone gives a monologue it's like this is so unrealistic people do not let other people talk this long unless they're yeah. on a podcast um <laughs> and i'm thinking man this is taking a long time and then boom reese is like are you done? <laughs> like, <laughs> he goes, okay. We got we got, like yeah, like okay. this shit's happening right now. And then <laughs> you don't we get a recall a of the story, right? We yeah. get a recall of the story and it's like, okay. Yeah. Like I understand what you're saying. We're going to just play war. We have nothing to when when it's that thing, right? It's like, yep. hey, if you're if you really care about something, if you want the cat to come to you, right? If you want if you want to uh, pick up a chick if you want to book the audition if you want you know whatever it is you have to part of you has to like not put so much pressure on it part yeah. of you has to not care part of you has to be okay with the outcome yeah you know and when i say not care there's a difference between not caring and indifference you have mm -hmm. to you have to give it everything you have but you have to be okay with the fact that you are going to fail which mm -hmm. is a lot of what performing and artistic endeavors is about, right? Yeah. You have to allow yourself to fully accept the multiple outcomes that will happen so that you can take the initial steps, if that makes sense. Because sometimes I, I think that what I took from that story was that his friend, you know, obviously was able when he stopped caring about getting shot and in, in tactics and all this stuff that we're going to do to beat these Marines. He just goes buck wild. Like who gives a shit, right? I'm just going to go yeah. for it. And part of that is just, you accept it. You accept the reality of the situation you're in. We are two of us against a bunch of Nazis. We're probably not going to make it out, but we're going to push through and we're going to do the best we can. You know, you live in moment to moment. Yeah accepting the reality of your situation it's so hard for people to do that the 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 again the delineation between like pressure of an outcome versus doing the experience without like you're 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 still you have an objective you're striving towards something but you're not paralyzed by failing yeah and the like desperation is a stinky clone as they say and mm. like mm. man mm -hmm. you always you will always be like flying when you you are just given in you give in to those circumstances mm -hmm. and you just, you're just fucking, I'm just going with it. I'm just going with it. Yeah. What happens, happens. Mm -hmm. Too much pressure, pro too much, you, you, you incels out there who might be listening, right? You need to <laughs> let go. You need to let go of what's in your head. Listen, incels, don't. I'm not sure you need to necessarily let go. I'm not really sure where this is going. <laughs> you can don't do anything to harm anybody. If you're listening. And I, I love, I do love how like even the shitty Nazis that I am kind of happy to see die, but not cheerful for 
they're they're still like like those two guys at the end like they are so pathetic that i do yeah. kind of feel bad for them um and then oh god when um daniel mark weber who is brilliant in this he's a a writer and a director as well um when he goes in and he finds out what happened to his girlfriend emily yeah uh, uh yeah. and he's like okay i'm gonna get you guys out of here mm-hmm. like there's one thing they didn't think of you know the sh- and then just like out of nowhere that's mm-hmm. he gets shot like that's that's a thing i love that sonier does right he never focus when someone's dead there's never uh, lingering. a gratuitous close-up lingering yeah. shot right yeah. but when someone gets hurt oh yeah Oh, we're getting to focus on that, and it's awful. Oh man, I, that awful. reminds me. Talking about things that like just really jump out. I my wife covered her eyes and like curled up in a ball when Imogen Poots goes and takes the um, box cutter. Oh yeah, I couldn't watch that. And slices I, I'm, I'm open cry- the. Yeah. I'm crying. I'm crying at that. Like you, I see Reese what he's going through. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't want to kill this person, and no. then even even uh, uh, Amber, she's like, she's like, okay, I can't have it. Like her decision to like, I guess I'm gonna slice this guy open. Yeah, you know, no one wants to kill. No, like, like on on our on on like our protagonists and our heroes, and mm-hmm. no one wants to kill anyone. Even yeah. on mostly our near, like, uh, uh, make him Blair, right? He just can't believe he finds himself in this situation. What yeah. and what should be a celebration for him? Him getting his red laces mm-hmm. is like he doesn't even want them at that point. It's like he's so, like, God damn it, he's such a good actor. Um, <sighs> that scene on paper is one thing, but to see it realized in performance what he gives he gives the weight of mm-hmm. what's happening there and it's like just it's small beautiful yeah, yeah. beautiful there's there's uh there is a um just a call i just would shout out subtle acting is often overlooked for the most acting, you know, like big acting. Yeah. And, you know, neither one is better or worse. It's just different. It's, you know, it's like, yeah. It's time and a place. Yeah. Time, but, I, I saw a YouTube video. It was like in, in praise of subtle performances. And it's like, yeah. we really need to be reminded that subtle, like, like we need to be reminded that Nazis are bad. We need to be reminded <laughs> that a subtle performance <laughs> is also a good, it doesn't have to be the loudest voice, but, but often gets overlooked. Like, 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 well, I shouldn't say often gets overlooked. I will say that big award shows like the Academy and stuff like that, they don't give awards to really beautiful, subtle work. They give awards to typically like, what was the big swing? You know, what was the big thing? Oh, they yeah. put on 80 pounds and they had a scene where they yelled and screamed. Which is also awesome. Which sometime. is also awesome. Yeah, I'm not putting it down. I'm not putting yeah, it down. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. gets but that gets plenty of love. And I just want to give a little shout and love to subtle acting. Have you ever had a gun pulled on you? 
I know this is a dumb question for someone who's been in the military, but maybe in your civilian life, have you ever had a gun pulled on you? A gun? Uh, not in my civilian life, no. Mm. Have you? Uh, yes. Ooh, I hate that. I was, I was leaving an arcade bar in Kansas okay. City, Missouri, and uh, CBD was new at the time, and I had a CBD joint. And I lit it up as soon as I walked out of the bar. And this guy uh, was bugging me as I was walking with my buddy and my partner to the car. Um, He was like, he wanted some, he was like, oh, you got weed? Can I have some weed? And I was like, it's not weed. It's, it's, I'm trying to explain to him, like, I don't have marijuana. It's, it's this other, and he's not hearing, he doesn't know what CBD is. Most people Mm -hmm. don't. Uh, he just thinks I'm keeping something from him. He wants to take a drag on my joint. And I'm like, it's not weed, man. Like also, even before the pandemic, I don't want, I don't know you, man. I'm not going to want to share my joint with you. Um, uh, uh, unless we've like had a conversation, maybe. Anyways, yeah. it's an intimate act to share a cigarette or a joint with somebody. To swap, to swap saliva. Yeah, right? to swap swap it's, 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 it's a it's yeah. a sign of respect. It's an intimate act. Anyways, so then he was like, "Well, maybe give me some money," and I'm like, "I don't have any money," and blah blah blah. And Allie's being real, like Allie's like a fucking woman of this time. And she's like, I don't take shit from people. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I'm very much like, I will take lots of shit. I do not want to get into a she, fight. She's, a, she's not... an amber. She's an amber. You're <laughs> a pet. She's we an amber. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm like the bartender. I get you're, like you're... the machete in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> I sneak up behind you. think I'm doing yeah. something good. Anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, bartender Jacob uh, Kausch. Couch, he's a hilarious comedian. Oh, um, cool. Right. Um, also, big, uh, big Justin Eric Idelstein, who we talked about earlier. Yeah, hilarious comedian. He was on yeah. Drunk History, uh, one the, of the, the for, OG Drunk Histories. For the parents out there, you'll know him as the voice on We Bear Bears. Yeah, well, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's a big, lovable bear of a band. Um, anyways, so I'm like, man, I don't got, I don't have anything. Blah blah blah. And then he pulls out a Glock, and it's, like, white. I've never seen one like this before. And he was like, hey, man, I got a gun. What do you think about that? And, like, I am not a badass, but um, I often, what at being a middle child, Mm -hmm. I am a person who my default is to diffuse situations. Um, in, in, in extreme circumstances. And, uh, I remember just Allie was trying to say something and I was, I was trying to be like, Hey, just get in the car, just fucking get in the car. But she's she's like an independent woman. So she doesn't want to just do what I say. Right. (laughs) Rightly so. Uh, and I remember all, all, he just pulls out this gun and I was like, he was like, what do you think about that? And I was like, I don't like that very much at all. (laughs) (laughs) and i was like here man you can have this it's not weed but you want it so bad here you go and then i put Allie in the car and then i got myself in the car and i was just like chris lock the doors and just 
drive away. And then as we were driving away, I sort of explained what just happened. And they were like, what? I think you handled that really well. Right? It's just, I, I think, just I mean, calm. D, 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 yeah, you de-escalated the situation. No, that, that That's how these things happen. If someone keeps escalating it one step further. Right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think you did a great job. Good good for thank you. Thank you. Way to handle thank that. Way you. to handle yourself. Because um, I would have I would have been the guy that attempts to put the cigarette out in his eye while reaching for the gun. <laughs> and then Molly would have been like... <laughs> No, I, I take that back. One one beer, Mickey would have been like, "Listen, let's not. We, there's no need for any of this. Have the cigarette." Two beer, Mickey would have been like, "Come on, we'll smoke it together. No big deal." Three beer, Mickey would have put the cigarette out in his eye, grabbed the gun, pushed him back, and then probably caused both of us to die. What, what next beer? What would what happens then? Four beer, Mickey ain't making it out of that club. I'm still in there dancing. The night oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a bar arcade. I'm up and playing it, it pinball called, until two in the morning. It was it was called um, shit. I can't remember the name of it, but like they acquired the Showbiz Pizza. You know the Chuck E. Cheese before yeah. they were Chuck E. Cheese. They were called Showbiz Pizza. He they acquired the the like electrical band, whatever the <laughs> the band was yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the like, animatronic they, band. Yeah, yeah, the animatronic band, and they would play it like. Like whatever music was playing that they had on, it would play to the music. It was awesome, and they had a bunch of like old arcade games, um, uh, and a and an area where you could like, I'm gonna rent out the Nintendo 64s or, you know, and they had skee ball. It was it was a cool joint. Um, it might have been called Arcade Fire, oh, or Showbiz nice. Fire, or something like that. I can't I can't remember, but it was a lot of fun. Until that happened. Yeah. Um, but I think let's, I think it's time to wrap it up, get in yeah. our final thoughts, talk about the ending. Yep. So, Imogen Poots. Oh, Poots. Poots. Like, I love, love, love her in this. And I like, so, like, when they black out the place. Right, yeah. and it's all dark. That scene is brilliant, mm -hmm. um, and I love, love like it. it's. it's so, I had to turn on the subtitles, so I'm like, "What exactly are they saying?" And it's like there's a brief thing of like, you know, they're like, "Well, you're a fucking. Why are you a fucking Nazi?" She's like, "Well, you know, it's like circumstances. Yeah. You know, it's just like just enough in the yeah. background, and you could totally miss it." And it's then great. like, I love the whole like. She's got the lighter and she gets the cherry. She puts it in big Justin's mouth and it's like, if you don't like what that cherry does, just fucking blow his brains out. And then, oh God, I love the payoff on that gun. At the very end, it's just brilliant. Darcy just like turns and walks away mm -hmm. to pull out the gun and like gets shot up. And then like, you see he gets that, he gets that shot off. And it just mm -hmm. like you see the impact it does in that fucking like fucking four three fifty or whatever the fuck that thing is with that industrial steel like topper. Yep. Oh God, just I you know oh big Justin talking about like like this 
It doesn't this have six bullets. Yeah. It's got five. Five. The fucking bullets are so fucking huge. Yep. And then Darcy, in a real passing way, he goes, "Can I have the gun back? It was, you know, specially made for it me. It was a gift. It was a gift. It was a gift. <laughs> it's like he those see, like like this is what I mean. Yeah. The first time watching, it, I was like, I don't really get why we need uh, Sir Patrick Stewart in this role. But now the second watch, I'm like, yeah. Oh, he's so good. Um. Yeah, the end. Well, uh, maybe and, and, you give us a phone. Will you give us a phone? Give us a phone. No. Yeah. No. Uh, how about a registered gun? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's the levy. That's that's funny. Yeah. There's so many. Like yeah. uh, Pat has so many lines like that. When then it, you're just like, oh man, <laughs> you're like laughing, but you're like, I, I love this. He's so sensitive. He's such a nice kid. Such a nice yeah. kid. But uh, but to go back on Poots real quick. Um, I know it's gonna sound. I know that this is not the movie where I should be shipping these two people, but I just I have such an affinity for Anton Yelchin and Imogen Poots as mm-hmm. people together. Like the ending is landed by. I mean, you didn't even have to have put any dialogue in the ending, and just seeing them sitting there together at the end, it just it warms my soul. What do you I What do you prefer? A Fright Night remake. Or this? Well, I mean, I think the better movie is this. But man, I do like them in Fright Night. I was it was a joke. Obviously, I think this is a better movie. This but it's a better movie. Yes, no, they they have an undeniable uh, chemistry with chemistry one together. another. Yeah. And like, despite the failings of the Fright Night remake, uh, their performances, I don't and think. Also, I think are that a the, negative thing. I think that Fright Night does fail, but I think that. It's worth a rewatch if you have not seen it in a long time. I mean, Tony Collette's good in it. David Tennant's good. Let's, in it. We're getting off top. We're getting off. Yeah, top. yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, top. I'm, just, I'm saying it's like that. This is a movie that that did fail on multiple levels, but on a rewatch, it's really not that bad. It's actually they're great actors, wonderful actors, wonderful performances. Doesn't work. Anyways, this is great actors and great performances in a story that does work, and it's brilliant, and, made, and they're and wonderful still together. Made less money. It's like oh, it's crazy this movie did not have more success. How many times have you seen a piece of art in your life that spoke to you and you felt like it changed your life and everybody else in the world has no idea <laughs> who that artist is? Or what that painting is, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, Sonier makes like, God, he makes great cinema, um, and uh, I was so happy that he took the success of Blue Ruin and made something instead of going straight to something big, uh, which he does want to do, um. He was like, I gotta like, because if if you know if you've seen Sonia, Sonia looks like 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 a dad, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You would never know he has the 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 uh, hardcore uh, punk artist background that he does, um, and that was his uh, uh, reasoning behind like, okay, I'm gonna take the success of Blue Ruin because I have to tell the story before I become so soft. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm a, I'm I'm married. I've got three kids. 
I like I go to the local coffee shop and eat pastries like like I need to uh, immortalize this part of my life somehow before I become so distant to these feelings and these concepts. God bless him for doing it because I think this is again like oh god god I can't believe it was that long ago 2016 yeah but God this is like because when I think about it I'm like oh this is one of the like this is a new classic for me this is like top tier new classic material this stuff yeah it's uh um. You know, two things I'll say about first off, if you ever get to see a picture of Jeremy Sonia, at least his IMDb pick, he kind of looks like Anton Yel- Yelchin. Um, a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Kind of has that, that well, that there's yeah. like a it's a shame, a soft boyishness, like he, boyishness, like he, but older, yeah, it's like a yeah, you, you often see uh directors like they will cast people that like, like, oh, I see myself as this person. Yeah. You know, and sometimes they look like them and sometimes they look like the movie star version of them. But <laughs> yes. like if 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 anything, I feel like Sonia looks like the movie star version of Yelchin. Yeah. No right, offense right, right. to Yelchin. You know sure. what I mean? But, that, uh, that but goes yeah, that... they both have that boyish, approachable yeah. look to them. But he looks I mean, you see a picture of him and he's almost always in like a plaid button up some dad <laughs> jeans and yeah. some comfortable footwear like vans or a new balance, you know, yeah. does not yeah, give I, any I, fucks I, like a dad does. Yeah. I think that Sonia and I are very similar. And you know? well, the fact that we're both dads, the fact that we both, yeah. we, ca- we both cast uh, more true to our real nature. Like I would, if I were casting someone for me, I'd probably go with like Jason Momoa. Um. <laughs> 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 I'd go Vin Diesel for myself. I'm the, I'm the movie yeah. star version of Jason Momoa. If anybody yeah, wants yeah. to know what I look like, <laughs> he looks exactly. He looks like a Harry Connick Jr. Honduras Jason Momoa. <laughs> so yeah, two of those statements were real. <laughs> but uh, and then my my other kind of closing thought on what you were saying right there, besides the fact that I love Imogen Poots, uh, is um, another score for a twenty four. Oh, but I will say this. Oh, yeah, okay. And we'll say this about A24. So Lion Gate, speaking of home media, okay. because we do let me know I'm, work yeah, in okay. physical media. Lion Gate is the home media uh distributor for A24. Um and they released uh Green Room on Blue Room and uh Blue Room, <laughs> Blu-ray and DVD. Blue Room. Um, Green Room and Blue Ruin? I messed that all up. I meant Blu-ray, and I said Blue Ruin. because. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. They released Green Anyways, Room on my, Blu-ray. My point is, my point is uh, A24 did not produce this. A24 distributed it. Oh. Does that make sense? Boy, they stamped their name on it now. Oh, well, it's beca- because, like, you know, you don't get that wide. Like, I think it was, like, they had a very small, like, they did well at Con. Uh, uh, cons, uh, but uh, they had a very small limited release, and then A24 was like, This is awesome, obviously. Like, we like they're they put in the uh, uh, the finances into di- distribution, which right. like 
enough cannot be said about the finances that go into distributing your film. I think it's like whatever the budget is, you have to like one and a half times that for the distribution. So, you know, yeah. I, I have a, I have a Crazy. question and this is a lofty question and we, we, I know we're running out of time. We want to wrap this up. It's lofty. If you don't want to answer it, we'll save it for another podcast at another time, but on purely on like just what seems like paper for me, like on just doing the, the raw math. You have Anton Yelchin, a known property. People know who he is. He's not huge, but they know who he is. Imogen Poots. Alia Shawkat, all all pretty well known. Um, you have Sir Patrick Stewart, national treasure or international treasure. Um, so you have you have a, at least four leads that are well known, well established. You have a brilliant script, and you have, by all accounts, a freaking thrill ride of a movie. What the hell happened? What do you mean? I know I'm asking you to answer a big question that probably nobody can fully answer, but I just why is this not? Why am I only finding out about it like a year ago from you? Because I have great taste. Besides you having great taste, I'm just saying. <laughs> but really, what? Like, because no, I mean, it's, it's there, I, like there are films that are not as good as this that certainly have amassed more attention, more love. You know, it's it's. It's just kind of what I said. Like, how many like paintings have you seen in your life that have changed it, and no one knows what that thing is? It's just like it's uh, it's unique. It's specific. It's not made for the majority. Um, you know, it's just it's independent cinema at its best. Um, it's genre at its best. It's just like, it's one of those things that's like, it's so specific and wonderful that it's very, div uh, divisive. Um, mm. so I don't think it has a wide appeal, you know? Huh. Yeah. And it's because it's genre, right? Because it's horror, like you can have an independent drama and it's well reviewed, and it's like you know Manchester by the Sea when that came out. I was like well Everybody reviewed and Oscar yes, nominations, yeah. and like I guess you like there are people who are like I you know there are people I know. It's like oh we got to see the stuff that yeah. the critics say to see, and like mm -hmm. I didn't understand it, and like well like like like, like a movie whatever like a movie like Green Book. Give me Green Room any day over Green Book. Yeah, seriously. Jesus Seriously, Christ. I know. Jesus Christ. When, I love Vigo. And I love, I am the biggest Vigo Mortensen fan. He does Anyways, love Vigo Mortensen people. Yeah, I do. He shows Dong like I did. We're no. the same. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like when you combined like, like the um, unique individual story that this is mm -hmm. and that it's horror. It's just, it's got so many things against it as it, far, it, as far as like wide appeal goes. I, I, I get it. And I don't, I don't want to like labor this dumb. conversation. Yeah. I don't want to labor this conversation. But our I, our I, previous I, president used to fucking say the stupidest, well, most like anti-feminist, misogynistic, 
fucking racist shit. And we elected him. You know? So a movie like this is never going to make it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, why is the Nazi... Why Like, this feels like a movie that, like, all, like, baby boomers would be like, hell yeah, a movie where we get the Nazis. I'm like... <laughs> right? Yeah, no, but, anyway. but now we're like, no, 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 the no They're good. They, they got some they points. They make some points. They have a point. You know, they, they got some... Like, we should give them a platform yeah. to speak on. I Nowadays, have, I, I have, more a, big, like Americans. I have a big podcast. I have a big podcast, and I do uh, jujitsu. And like, I should get give everyone a platform to speak on because yeah. I'm getting paid over two hundred million dollars from Spotify, and I have all this control. And I moved to Austin. Yeah, yeah, I know. We all used to be a fan of him, and now we're <sighs> not. It really is <laughs> fucked what up. An, what an ex, what an experience. Um, what an experience. So here is what I'm going to say. Cause I'm going to pivot off of that. This is the perfect mm -hmm. segue into who do I recommend this to? Oh. You ready oh. for it? Hold on, hold on. Before we get to that. Before we get to that. <laughs> Tell somebody that gives a shit, Mickey. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that's good. I love that this film begins and ends with the same word. Mm -hmm. Shit. Did you know that? Yeah. I did not know that, but I did you know really... that? Did you know that? Tell somebody who gives a shit. Tell somebody. No, it's a it. great ending. It's, it's great like ending. uh I've seen films who try to do a line like that and it utterly fails. This like yeah. oh this is yeah, you can't there's no way to end this, and this was yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. Tell somebody who gives a shit. You know, it's like what yeah. do you, what was his desert island? Tell somebody who gives a shit. Have you have you got any of those fan theories out there? No, I haven't. What are what are you what do you think they are? I, I have don't have no I have no clue, but I did do I did look it up. I did do some like digging a little bit. I, I will say that Sonier's Desert Island band is Black Sabbath. He at one time it was maybe Talking Heads, but Black Sabbath and mm -hmm. his Desert Island movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Yelchin's oh. Desert Island film is um Taxi Driver. Uh, oh, oh and, okay. Interesting. And I couldn't find Yelchin saying anything about his Desert Island band. I think well, rightly so because we don't we should not know no. the answer right. to this. It ruin it ruins the end of the movie. Yeah, know. yeah. But for those who are going to be like seriously, go ahead and ruin the podcast yeah. with this, Mickey. Go I'm ahead. I'm going to. I'm going to. According to the internet, it's according to the internet. It's confirmed that Sonya says there are two. One he pays not to in the closing song, which is the Creedence Clearwater Revival. Because mm -hmm. that's the actual band that he chose. Great band. That band mm -hmm. blew my mind when, like, when I met you mm -hmm. at eighteen in acting school. I just listened exclusively to Sinatra, and then uh, our friend Zach, or mutual friend Zach, mm -hmm. introduced me to CCR. Maybe you did too, actually. I and it CCR, blew my yeah. mind. CCR. Anyways, go ahead. Well, I, I had the um. Bad Moon Rising, um, best hits of CCR, yeah. and I play that all the time. But anyway, but so so that's why the closing song is a CCR song. 
because he says she goes tell somebody who cares and then the audience does care so boom he hits him with the song somebody who gives a shit tell somebody, somebody who, gives, who shit. gives a shit get it right tell somebody, somebody who, gives who gives a shit but sonya also says that there was this a is secret... my this is my image in boots <laughs> that's, this is my image that's better boots. than your patrick stewart uh <laughs> what what do you mean but uh but it sounds Sonya... almost like uh uh um, what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> That's not Bane at all. That's like a funny version of Bane, but it's not oh, Bane. Oh, this is a Bane. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. So, um, but Sonya has has also said that there was a secret song that he whispered, or secret band he whispered in the ear of uh, uh, Anton Yelchin, Yelchin when they started when they started filming, and he said, "Don't tell anybody. It's our secret." And Anton was like, "Perfect." So and he says and that he will band never. Was Britney Spears. Tiger jokes about it. He will never say in who it was. That's he literally never will. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. but oh, how? By but, the way, but, how, but not Anton. I meant Sonya. Obviously, Anton. Oh. But um, but how great of a actor secret to start before you start filming yeah. to whisper into his ear, "This is your secret song," because it that does do so much for a character as far as character development as an actor. What if it was something like your actual one is like the Beatles and it's like, Oh shit. This <laughs> opens so... up a whole world of like this character to me versus me just thinking he is 100% about punk. Now I've got these layers to him or it's like, you know, Michael Jackson, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. We don't need moving to on. Does this belong in the section? Um, punky bruiser, bruiser bloodbath, and who do you recommend this to, Mickey? Punky bruiser bloodbath. This belongs one hundred percent, no question. And who I'm do you rec- recommend it to? I'm recommending it to. I'm just gonna if you tell somebody who gives a shit. <laughs> I am going to recommend this to everyone. Here's why. Mm. There are movies that I understand that are that are very divisive. I there's some Ari Aster that is going to be very divisive that nobody wants to ever see after seeing it the some, first time. I think all of Ari Aster Ari, falls all of under it, yeah, this category. Um, but this movie to me is. A 90-minute fun ride. It's like it makes no sense that this is the one. This it's is the, fun, but it's like it's it also is. not fun, right? It, it, right? it is. I, 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 maybe I shouldn't say fun ride. It's a 90-minute ride. It's like you you are off the ride as soon as you're on the ride. And you can it's take... Cathartic. You take so much from it. It's it's. I consider it fun in the sense that I love seeing. I love film. Nazis. Right? You love seeing Nazis. <laughs> I love a good Nazi <laughs> film, as we all do. Um, no, and Frank is that fucking story was really good, and then the ending sucked. Or no, the ending was awesome. I guess right. No. Oh my god. Sorry. 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 Wow. Okay, we're taking that out. We're not talking. Okay. You don't want yeah, to talk they, about Anne Frank? Sh- wow. Schindler's I guess List. You, get, you just got your red laces tonight, Mickey. Schindler's List. It was going so well in the beginning. Um, 
the uh what was the problem <laughs> anyways the, now the um but anyway but so i just think that there's there's it it makes no sense that this film would be something that would drive people away it is if you like horror if you're coming into our store this film is going to be a definite must watch it oh, really is yeah. it's really good it's really good molly i had no problem even trying to pitch this one to her i was like i showed her the cast i told her a little bit of the story she was like hell yeah went in loved it loved it so uh, i'm i everybody will enjoy this film it's just it's a shame that it does not get as much attention as it deserves i agree with that last part i don't agree that everyone will love this film um who wouldn't like this film rubes i think what? the rubes that come the rubes that come into our video store the rubes the rubes you know what a rube is don't you I don't know that I do know what a rube is. The rube is like the, the you know, the sucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why did you say sucker? Because I say rubes because I'm fucking like, I thought you, you know, we're in the same business. I thought you were in the lingo. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? The rubes. The rubes. Okay. Yep. You don't, you don't order fish on a Sunday or a Monday, my friend. You're a rube if you do. Like... Like it's stacked. Anyways, hey, we got rubes at the store. It's fine. You provide us with a lot of money because we have certain films that you love, and that's okay. We love you, but the green room is not for everyone. But I will say I agree with you. If I respect you in any capacity whatsoever, you should watch this movie and you should love it. And if you don't, like a questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of those things I don't want to sound like pretentious and I am uh sounding and I am pretentious. Um but it's like you just got you on to me for not knowing what a rube was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you don't know what a rube is. I that just blows not, my just, mind. Just not a word I normally use. If you don't know what a rube is, you're a rube. <laughs> That's what that comes down to. Wow. Um, I love you, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a <laughs> I'm a rube to the word rube. I'm sure that whatever that means. That is true. What you just said was true. But you're not a rube. You're a sucker. <laughs> I'm a sucker. <laughs> but I do. I do like. Like someone who's looking for something, mm -hmm. someone who's like, <laughs> someone who's looking for purpose, <laughs> someone who's looking for cause. Yeah. <laughs> no, someone who co who comes in and they want they want they want to be accepted. A piece of of <laughs> acceptance. <laughs> they, they no, they want like a piece of cinema that is going to affect them. Okay. Right? They yeah. want something maybe. You bit off more than you could chew with this. This is the movie. This okay. is effective. It's going to change you. It's, it's, you're going to feel things. Like I said, it's like going to a hardcore show. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're not, le you're not, you're not going and passively watching this. Oh, no. You, my hope, my experience. Um, I don't think you can. It, it, it's so, it's it, so, it pulls, it pulls you right in. God. And that's what I love about it. That's what I respect yeah. about it. 
That's what I love about his films is that like I come out of it. What's the runtime on this film? I don't even know, but it feels it, it feels, feels like an hour goes by. Maybe yeah, it it, it, it feels goes like by it's, so fast. Yeah, it, uh, it's what I was trying to tell Molly when we were sitting down to watch it. I was like, it, it moves. I mean, this movie moves. Is that what you tell her when you're making love? Like, man, yeah. I just I'm like I'm just telling you, like, Mr. Green do Room. It. This is Trust over. The, it's Trust over. Gonna, so quick. It's gonna move. It's gonna move. <laughs> I'm <baby>. crying. <laughs> you don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, sorry. Sorry. And then she has uh, to tell somebody who gives a shit. Tell somebody uh, who gives a shit. <laughs> I love this movie. This is um, a perfect score in my book, and I don't like to give perfect scores. I think, like, it's like when, like, so many things nowadays are like, oh, it's 10 out of 10. It's like, no, things need to be exceptional. And to me, this is an exceptional film. Um, yeah, uh, I dare say a desert oh. island film. Wow, so okay, yeah, Mickey, yeah, I'd love it if you could, in honor of our friend and co worker Marika, close us out on some French. Got it about this Got film. It. Je ne sais quoi. Joueur Noël Bondeni. Le vin et le marange et font le green room. So, soufflez un peu le visage un visu uh, e perfecto <laughs> I think that was Spanish the last word dude you um, nailed it you sound exactly like the French sexy fake voice Arnold Schwarzenegger uses in True Lies when he's seducing his uh, wife Jamie Lee Curtis perfect perfect